Right then. So let me get back to our script because we have one. Because we're professional like that. Yeah, yeah. Right then. Let's do this. Let's do it. And welcome to Crave. This is the podcast and the webcast and the video cast. Yeah, it's, it's, everything. Everything. it's a fishing cast. I see it's all the cast, yeah. It's an iron cast. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's dedicated to all things entertainment, whether it's music or film or theatre or television, anything that's been entertaining myself and Steve McCabe. Absolutely. So this week, what's what entertain me this week? What's that? I'll, I'll just lay it up from the start. Go on. Um, you too. Me too. I oh, sorry. You, you too. Absolutely. Well, you always always entertain me, Simon. But yes. yeah, but yeah, biggest. I know those jokes just never ever get old, do they? Yeah. Um, I mean, I went with or without you, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I know they just never get old. But anyway, um, you two play yes, Kings yes, Town. Yes. Biggest band in the world at the moment, probably. Yes. And they did two nights in Auckland, and I was glad I went. I'll tell you why later. Oh, okay. I look forward to hearing about that. Stories to tell. Okay, good. We're also going to talk about, and well, I think an amazing piece of storytelling. Um, uh, from the New Zealand uh, Taika Waititi, Absolutely, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. he, where he's compli- combining slapstick and irreverent humour and drama in a story that's set in Nazi Germany, which is which is quite a trick to pull off oh, if you think about it. It's amazing. It yeah, is. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now after that, yes. I mean, I think we're, we're, it's pretty clear to say that, that a Taika Waititi film is going to impress. Mm-hmm. I think trying to sell somebody on yet another Terminator film might be a bigger ask. Well, um, Taika Waititi's film featured an Austrian, and so does this one. Uh-huh. Now that that's um, as tenuous a link as we're going to yes. get. Okay, we're talking about Terminator Dark Fate, the sixth instalment, which brings back Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. and the producer James Cameron from the film Judgment Day that we were talking about yes. just last time. I'm, no. I'm going to tell you some interesting things that about that film, even though that I liked yeah. even though it's completely bombed at the box office it has kind of disappeared without a trace really hasn't it to yeah. be fair anyway so, so where should we start well let's let's get onto this big huge band that you've just just seen only a, yeah. a night or so ago Steve um, you two yes back in, in, in New Zealand a couple of shows as you said when you and I were talking about this um, yeah. leading up to the concert I think we both how should I say we weren't necessarily jumping out of our skins to go no no it's like uh, did, Who's going to take the tickets? Do you want the tickets? <laughs> no, 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 you have them. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to go? Neither is. And I'll tell you what, you missed a trick. Okay, well, can I just say that on, on, on your review, Steve's review on cravepodcast.com, yep. you can read all about it, but let's hear it from the man himself. Well, well, and, yes. okay. well, well here's, here's the concert itself, and I'll tell yes. you a little bit of like why you'll be really kicking yourself. Okay. So what happened is this. Um... 1980, when would it be? 1987 yes. was the last time I saw you 2 It's the only other time actually I saw them. Okay. And oddly enough, that was when they were promoting The Joshua Tree. Yes. And this time round, what they're actually doing is, even though it's not, 80, it's not 2017, it's 2019, mm. they've now gone back to the Joshua Tree anniversary tours. They, they, based, they started in 2017 doing the 30th anniversary okay. tour. Yes. And they're doing the entire of The Joshua Tree. In its entirety, they're doing the whole album in back, sequence, in sequence, back to back. Yeah. So, so what you've got is this massive, huge, enormous stage, and they start off just on a little B stage, which is you know conventional these days. A little B stage, yeah. which is a drum kit, 
And they started off with Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. Phenomenal song. Yeah. And they sounded good. They sounded really punchy, really tight, really sharp. And they did that and they did a couple of the other old stuff. They'd be on Pride in the Name of Love. You know, yeah. the songs that you'd know. I see yes. you smiling and nodding. You yeah, know yeah. these songs. Yeah. Yeah. And they sounded fantastic. Okay. They didn't sound like 40 year old songs. And they didn't sound like songs being sung by the people who recorded 40-year-old okay. songs. They still sounded Violent. lively. Yeah. And the whole point of the B stage, in my opinion, is it's, look, lads, we've got the huge monstrous stage, and it's great fun to do all that stuff, but but we're just going to wipe the point. We still got it. Right. And I believe yep. they still did. They sounded really, really good. Um, but at the end of it, onto the huge stage. I want to say huge. Mm-hmm. You know, stage fills the entire width of Mount Smart Stadium. Yes. Right? And behind it, they have got a 200-foot-wide, 70-foot-high screen, completely unbroken by lighting rigs or cameras. Everything sort of cantilevered uh, okay, over yes, yep. Um And apparently they pioneered this. I know this because we got a tour of the stage. We were up on the stage mm-hmm. um, with Willie Williams, their um, set designer. Okay. He was a tour of the stage, and he was talking about how they've got this huge thing. thousand video panels wow. set up. Lots of HDMI cables involved in that. <laughs> yes. uh, and so as they played through the album, they've got, you know, the first few songs is wonderful Ansel Adams-esque black and white images of this romanticised notion of America that Bono's clearly very, very much in love with. Yeah. So in America, I don't recognise, I'll, I'll admit. Yes. But, um, you know, at the end of Bad, during the, the, the B-stage set, he was talking about... Um, Freedom is a word that's been found, weighed, it's been weighed and measured, and it's part of America. And he's clearly got this romanticized notion yes. of America yeah. that then plays out also the Joshua Tree. It's very much an ode to America. Yeah. Very much. And, and it sounded good. I mean, that's the important thing. That yeah, absolutely. Been the spectacle was amazing. It's a huge, enormous screen. And four little blokes. Yes, and, yes. And when I say little, I mean, he's five foot six, right? <laughs> but he fills the stage. Yes. Really good. He's got his, his voice. He has going to ask about his voice. I'd seen a video recently. Yeah. Where I, and it must have been an off night for him. Because I, I saw a video thinking, ooh. Okay. Ooh, yeah, he's 59 and he's kind of ready to hang up the microphone. Okay. But obviously that was an off night that I'd seen because right. he sounded good. Okay. Strong. Yeah. In fact, well, all, all four of them did. Yeah. But he's got to sound, he has to sound good. For yes, you he two does. Because he's very much the front man. Yeah. Um, I mean, he obviously had to do the up himself ego bit. At one point, he's talking about, yes, I've, I've got my diagnosis. I've got terminal megalomania. <laughs> uh, okay. And you ask about the boy from Dublin. And I've got to tell you, Paul is dead. Oh. I am Sir Bono. Oh. And so he's, he's still right up himself. <laughs> and, and it's part of a huge elaborate stage ego that he's got. But, it, but that's what you expect from a U2 mm. show. Mm. So they, they played the entire of the Joshua Tree. And then they came back, and he, and he came back onto the B stage to do Angel of Harlem. Okay. Which is yeah. a lovely it song. It is, yep, great and, song. And he said, thank you for listening to The Joshua Tree. Now here's what came after. Okay. And then they segued into stuff from Akatung Baby and from Zuropa and all that kind of stuff. Right, okay. And songs like um, Vertigo, that was just big. Yeah. Big, big songs on a big stage, yeah. and it worked really, really well. And then toward the end, they played um, Ultraviolet. Okay. Well, it's it's been sort of recast by them as very much a a, uh, feminist, um, what's it, ode is the wrong word, but it's sort of an anthem to feminism. Okay. The big banner, you know, um, poverty is sexism appears on the screen. Mm. And then instead of having sort of like the the flashy visuals, lots of stroboscopic effects, they just had a series of images of women. 
Yeah. Um, and some of them were fairly obvious, but they also included for, and I don't think they were simply pandering, yes. but Helen Clark was up there. Oh. Jacinda Ardern, okay. Lucy Lawless. I mean, oh. there were, there were Wahine up there. There actually literally were. Okay. Uh, uh, Akinihi Tomoana was up there. Sophia Hinerangi was up there. Okay. Oh, so yeah. they'd done a bit of research. Yeah, but I don't think this was tokenism. I mean, the fact that they had, you know, Greg Carroll, the Kiwi that One Tree Hill is written for. Yes. Obviously, his photo went up. Yeah. And I suspect that possibly that was a, a New Zealand only thing. Yeah. And for, for their fin- finale, they played a lovely song called One from Akitong Baby. And all 51 names from Christchurch. Really? Okay. Completely black screen and the names in white just appeared on, on the screen. And okay. I suspect that's possibly yeah. a New Zealand only thing as well. Yes. But for for the for for ultraviolet, there were a lot of other women. Right. They had, for example, um, Indian uh, suffragettes, for example. Um, but they did have, like I say, not not only the, the obvious modern Kiwi women like Clark and Ardern, mm. but they're going back to um, Maori Maori female leaders from the nineteenth century. Oh, which wow. suggests well, that they've done a little bit of research. Yeah, they have. To be so fair. that's that's we've well, got to give them some credit for for taking a bit of care over that and yes. and and tailoring a show which they take all around the world yes. yeah. to to bring it home to an audience so that it resonates with our us here. Whether Very they do the yeah. same with other in other countries, I don't know. But that's no, it'd be fascinating. Cause, I mean, they're off to Australia next yeah, week, and, yeah. and I will be contacting um, my cousin who will be at the Sydney show, and I'll, I'm going to ask him. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. What they do there? Yeah, because. I can't imagine it's that difficult to switch out a few of those no. the, those those images. Yeah, can I just ask you Go just on. a bit more? You mentioned the song uh, dedicated to Greg Carroll, the, the New Zealand roadie who died. Yeah, it's on Joshua Tree. The song called "One Tree Hill." Yeah. Um, how how was that handled? I, because it's a long time ago now. It's a fantastic song. Yes. Um, it's it, it drips with emotion. When you even going back and listening to it on the record, I still think it's a, it's one of their best songs. Yeah. But maybe it's because of that New Zealand connection. I don't know. How was it? Did they say much about it before they played it? Oh, how, how did they get into that? Oh, um, well, when they were playing the Joshua Tree, they didn't just simply play it straight through. Okay. He did he did stop and talk occasionally between oh, okay. songs. But when it came to One Tree Hill, he stopped and he paused, and he talked about and he mentioned Greg Carroll very specifically by name, mm. and he talked about how. This is a guy who who came and found the band, and he says, "There's one thing that's missing. He says, it's missing me." Oh, is that right? Said, and then he adopted us, or we adopted him. I'm not sure which it was. Um, and then there's a big photograph of him. Right. So yeah, I mean, they they very definitely made the point that you know, like we're in New Zealand, we're in Greg's town. Yes. Oddly enough, the one thing that kind of surprised me yeah. was even though they were literally playing in the shadow of Monga Kirke, yes. they didn't actually point that, that fact out. Oh, that's interesting. Which kind of was surprising, but they, they very definitely clearly flagged up. Yeah. There's a reason why this song is special to this town. And I'm, I'm assuming the audience absolutely lapped it up. Well, the photograph went up in a huge cheer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I know the story, I know the name. Yeah. I wouldn't have known the picture. But I think it was just in honour of him. It was right here. This is the guy that this yeah. song is named after. Is, is written for. Because those, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that type of thing, if it's not handled right, can appear a bit mawkish, a bit, you know, almost like trying to mine, plumb the depths of, of the emotion where it's inappropriate. But it doesn't sound like no, that, that happened. No, it didn't. Because for, for all the, the giving Bono a hard time about him being up himself, yes, <laughs> um, when he does that kind of thing, I, either he does it very, very well, or it's sincere. 
Yeah. And I get the feeling that the fact that they actually took the trouble to write a song about this bloke yeah, yeah. tells me that he actually meant a lot to them. And so when they're playing tribute to him like that, mm. uh, I suspect that that was sincere. Yeah. I and really do. And it's a great song. Yeah. And, and I think you'd be, you'd be hard pushed to keep on doing that for as long as they've been doing without it being um, legit. I think that was... I think that was sincere. Yeah. Okay. And the audience, I think, responded to it in kind. Yeah. And I want to say an audience, you have 40 or thousand people yeah. for the first night. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it was it was quite an impressive wow. performance. I'm really glad I went. All right, then. Fantastic. But I'll tell you what, though. This yes. Is, this is going to make you cross. Okay. Go what, on. What, what you don't know is because I was on the list, I got an email from the publicists right. several days beforehand saying um, they will be hosting a media event. Right show up at the box office at four, four o'clock. So I did, and about quarter past four, out, out came uh, U2's pub publicist, mm -hmm. Irish lady whose name I have sinfully forgotten. Okay. She's a very, very nice lady. And she came out and she says that, that they've never done one of these media events before outside of Ireland. They've done it once before in Ireland for the Irish press. Mm -hmm. They said, New Zealand, Ireland were so similar that I thought, yeah, okay, she's, she's, yeah. she's good, she's good. We like, we like this lady. Yes. Um, and so she said, we're going to take you down to um, the front of the stage for the sound check. Right. So we got to watch them play four or five songs. They were, right. They were, they were playing um, Better Than The Real Thing as we walked down. Um, and I mean, there was maybe two dozen of us. Wow. So this was an intimate rehearsal, wow, Steve. Oh. rehearsal bit. Um, and, and at one point, Bono wandered over down the runway to talk to us and tell us about the next song they were playing. And it was, it was all very nice. It was great. Wow. Fun. So you were really up close. Oh, yeah. Um, but then they said, okay, just hang on a second here. We're going to go and get um, Willie Williams, the, the set designer. And while we're waiting for him, Bono came down to say hello. Right. And so did the other three. Okay. And, and they were just standing around having a chat with us and just hanging out. And they were really, really nice fellas. Wow. Absolutely. That's I mean, a story to dine out on. It, it, was, it was really cool. We had been told, um, please... No photography, no recording. Okay. I mean, they were doing a sound check. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the opportunity for them to make any kind of flubs that they're going to make. And yes. they don't want that publicised. Yeah. As, it, as it turns out, they actually sounded every bit as good as <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were playing just for us, which oh, was really, fantastic. really nice. Um, I, I did slip the edge of business card and say, do us a favour, mate, if you wouldn't mind putting a comment on my review. Oh. And the miserable bugger hazard, <laughs> if you're watching this, mate, you know... <laughs> But yeah, it's just really, really nice fellas. Well, that's great. Really nice fellas. And so after, you know, they, they stood talking to us. And in the end, you know, the, the publicist lady's going, come on, lads, we need to go and get you ready for the show. And they just ignored her and carried on talking to us. Um, and I'm thinking, you're good. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like I say, when I'm saying that, that Bono has this huge ego on stage. Yes. Having actually met the guy in person mm. and seen him just interacting with, not fans so much as the press. Yeah. You get, the, you get the sense that he's actually quite a nice bloke who's got a really good stage ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to actually being oh, that's the stage ego. So I was yeah. actually quite impressed with him, yeah. Wow. So, okay, well, I'm glad you didn't tell me about that before and you yeah. surprised me on the, on I, the I, podcast. I, I thought I was saving that for you because <laughs> that was a really nice little event. And then your man Williams came out and he took us onto the stage yes. and he walked us out onto the um, onto the B stage. Wow, and okay. then at that point, photos were totally okay and out came the cameras and we took pictures okay. of everything. The only thing, that, the only thing that's going to top that for me, you know, it was if, if Springsteen comes back and the same thing happens with him. Oh, I, oh, I, yeah. I don't know if that will. But anyway, that no, was great. But it was great fun. The only downside to the evening was Noel Gallagher. Ah, who I, who I should have been blown away by. It was really odd that Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, I mean, remember, this is the guy who played the biggest concert Britain's ever seen. When Oasis did Nebworth, low these many years ago, mm -hmm. biggest concerts in Britain ever. 
Okay. Quarter of a million people over Whoa. two nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this is when Oasis were absolutely the height of their powers. Yes. Um, and now he's opening for, I mean, admittedly for the biggest band in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but he's an opening act now. Yeah. Uh, he clearly misses Liam so badly, it's not funny. Because <laughs> he's simply not got the swagger right. the, that Liam Gallagher's got. He's, he, he can't do it. That's not who he is. He's, he's a musician, yes. not a singer and a frontman. Right. Um, and, oh. and, and he, he did have the nerve to dedicate Don't Look Back in Anger to the All Blacks. Oh. <laughs> see, he, he said, right then. He said, what happened to the rugby then? <laughs> right, I'm going to dedicate this next song. To, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to dedicate this next song to the All Blacks. Oh, God. Don't Look Back in Anger. Oh. I think he made no. Read the room. <laughs> he's still got a big cheer for it. Yeah, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Although I am of the opinion that's not even his song anymore. After um, I don't know if you're aware of this. After the Ariana Grande bombing yeah, in yeah. Manchester, yeah. there was a big um, public rally in Manchester um, uh, yes. to, for sort of solidarity. Yes, and one woman in the middle of the crowd started singing that song. And there's a video online now. There's a huge crowd in the centre of Manchester in Albert Square, all singing "Don't Look Back in Anger." Okay. And, and it was the per I'm, I'm getting tingles now yeah. thinking about it yeah. right but it was the perfect song for the moment wow. and you think of that chorus don't look back in anger just summed up the entire reaction of the city and at that moment it ceased to be his song yeah and to, well, use, to use it as a stick to beat your audience with mm. is cheap mm. oh, yeah. so even I, so, if it's tongue in cheek well and and I mean songs have a life of their own don't they yeah. so if someone else finds a way to appropriate it in a way like that yeah well that's done and dusted then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th that particular context, that's why he needs to let go of that. The, yes, yes. I mean, play it by all means. Yes. But don't use it. Yeah. A, don't cheapen it like that. I was not cheap. impressed. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, but no, you two, and it's not just because, you know, me, me and me and Bono, you know, we're like that, right? <laughs> that's, although, although until I get that, those comments posted in our review, the edge is dead to me. But apart from that, you know, it's, it's not just because I was very, very impressed with them as people. I thought it was really nice to do what they did. And we're very, very grateful to their management to set up the media event. That was really, really cool of them. Yes. And like I say, first time they've done this outside of Ireland. Yeah. It's really, really nice. But no, I just thought it was a genuinely good show. Great. Oh, well. um, and 31 years on, 32 years on from when I saw them last, they were better this time. That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't often happen, that. No? Well, that's great. Oh, thank you for telling me about that. Because I, I think I'd only seen them once as well, and that was the... Uh, when Love Comes to Town tour with B.B. King, and I think that was even before Joshua Tree. No, that would be a little after. Oh, was that, it? That, that was that was that was oh, on no, Rattle. No, that was yeah, that, that was, was on and It was, which right. is the album that came uh, out directly after. after. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it was Bullet, Bullet Sky and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so B.B. King came with him on that. Yes, on that yes, yes. Oh, wow. I saw them at, at Western Springs in Auckland Ooh, with B.B. King. With B.B. King, Ooh, that would have been a bit special. It was great. Now, when I saw them that time, to be fair, it, they had them, um, the Pretenders. Opening for oh, okay. them. That, well, was, that was also quite special too. Very nice. But, all right. Okay. But, well, but enough of that. We could we could reminisce about this yeah, all night. No, you two. Um, oh, great show. And if they yeah. come back, I will go. I, I'd recommend <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they were very very good. <laughs>
sure how we segue from you two to Taika Waititi. Any thoughts? Um, well, well, they were in New Zealand. <laughs> that's true. And, and Taika Waititi is currently the pride of New Zealand. That's right. It's hard. And I don't know how you segue to anything uh, that Taika Waititi does, but no, he, we're talking he, he about is his very own thing. Isn't his, he? Oh, and he's he's kind of this is the new film Jojo Rabbit. Yes, very recently opened. Yes, and it. It almost it, it's 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 a genre in its own right. I mean, it's yeah. kind of defying genres, and maybe you shouldn't even think about it as being a type of a genre film. Well, it's I just mean, a fascinating story. Well, we saw the trailer, yeah, and and tried to explain it to someone. And we first of all, we weren't really sure what we'd seen in the trailer, <laughs> yes. and secondly, like struggled badly to try and convey it. So, so how do we even? I mean, how how do we sketch out the plot first of all? Well, let, let's start with who Jojo Rabbit is. Yes. So Jojo Rabbit is a t- is the nickname of a ten year old boy. Yes. Uh, who uh, is called Jojo? He's in, it's set it's set in a smallish German town. We think. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's near the end of the war. Yeah. And young Jojo and other young kids in the town are caught up in the swirl of Nazi propaganda, and I think it's the bee's knees still. Yeah. And Jojo, to the extent that he has an imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler. Yes. Played by Taika Waititi. Yes. And, and so he, he, he can't wait to turn 10 so he can actually go and finally join the Hitler Youth. Right. And in this town, we have around Jojo a cast of characters. His mother, played by Scarlett Johansson, yep. who is not enamoured of the Nazi machine. We have several... Uh, oh, this is just a quick sketch. Yep. And then we have these other... Uh, members of the the, the Nazi um, military who are there, um, led by Sam Rockwell's character, who's a jaded, cynical man. Who's yes. that will be Captain Klentzendorf. Yes, and others are uh, Rebel Wilson. Yes. and Alfie Allen are there. <laughs> Alfie Allen's the most understated. Und- they must have spent a lot of money to get him in, and they give him what four lines. Yeah, interesting. He was brilliant. He was so. And then there are other young kids, yeah. uh, and there's a, a lovely turn from a chap, uh, character called Yorkie, played by Archie Yates, yes. a good good mate of Jojo's. Oh, he's adorable, yeah. isn't he? And then we've got the, the Gestapo are also there, led by Stephen Merchant. Oh, he's brilliant. Uh, and so the story is about how Jojo starts off the film thinking, as I say, that the Nazis are a wonderful thing to aspire to. And in yes. the course of the film, he meets a house guest. Yes. An, un- an unexpected house guest that his mother has taken in to look yes. after. I think we can say that she is... Can we... We can... Maybe we shouldn't say too no. much about her, but but no. But this is Elsa, played wonderfully, magnificently by oddly enough a Kiwi. Yes, Thomasin McKenzie, who's yeah. fantastic, yeah. and Thomasin, who is um, the granddaughter of a well-known New Zealand. Yes. She's of an acting family, the Harcourt family, yes, very yes. well known in New Zealand. So Jojo's views of life and the war and what's right, right and wrong begin to uh, move and shift as the, as the film goes along. That's a delicately worded way of doing uh, and it. Yes, I'm liking the, that. The interesting, that in itself is an interesting thing, but the manner in which YTT tells the story, the tools he employs, which start off with irreverent, wacky, slapstick humour. With, oddly enough, Adolf Hitler as comic relief. Yes. Which is not a phrase you ever really expect to be using. But he, he he's brilliant. I mean, yeah. I tried to find out. You know, this is based on a novel originally. Yes. And yes. I tried to find out if if Adolf was a character, because I kind of got the feeling that that YTT wrote Adolf for himself. Right. And in many ways, you think about, it, you could actually completely lift Adolf out of Jojo Rabbit and still have a coherent story. You could. You it could. wouldn't be as good a film. No. It would still be a very very good film. But YTT as this imaginary mm. friend 
who encourages him, and, he, and but he's and he's, he's not the, the crazy Adolf of of mm. popular understanding. He's, like, he's his best mate. Yeah. And he goes, oh, Jojo, come here, hail me. <laughs> he's funny. He's yeah, genuinely, he funny. genuinely funny. And, and let's just talk about that that funny aspect because that's the thing. I guess that when you hear about this, it challenges you. Yeah. How do you feel? Even if you know the humor is directed at the Nazis to ridicule them, nevertheless, you are laughing mm. at something funny that involves the Nazis. Yes. And on one hand, it is played for laughs and you can't help but laugh. And yeah. at the same time, in that instant that you start laughing, you're thinking, hold on, I'm, I'm having fun here, but these are the Nazi party. Yep. These are the people who committed atrocities and genocide and and and, and they've and dealt with hatred and, yes. and, and, you know, it's just racism. And it's just, what, what's... How, you're not almost sure you're conflicted about what you're feeling. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's face it, Adolf Hitler's name has become a byword for everything that yeah, is wrong so, and evil. So that's a fascinating way for Waititi to think about telling the story. Yes. Um, but somehow he gives you that humour alongside, alongside a developing and very strongly... Uh, developing emotional heft to the story. Oh, dear Lord, yes. I mean, and there are some uh, absolutely knock-you-down moments in this film. There is one scene involving shoes. Mm -hmm. we'll, anyone who's not seen the film will know what we're talking about yeah. when they do see it. Yeah. Without giving it away, there's one scene involving shoes. Uh, I don't know about you, I had something in my eye. Oh, I did. And it's one of, it's one of the most um, powerful scenes in many a day I've seen at the cinema, actually. It was. Partly because I, I didn't really expect it, no, and it me. just whacks you, I, 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 <laughs> whacks I, I, you down. I, yeah, so we won't go too much into what no, happens no. there, but yeah, just the... the, the the gut punch that comes from that that one moment. Yeah. But you've got an amazing cast. I mean, you know, when he's being played for laughs, Rebel Wilson, Sam Rockwell, uh, Stephen Merchant, these guys all, yeah, Alfie Allen, yeah. Alfie Allen, although he's he's almost mute. Yes, not he, quite. Yeah, yeah, just about. <laughs> so there's an awful lot of very good facial humour yes. coming from him. Um, Stephen Merchant it was almost, and, and I was wondering if they were going to do this, he's veering into Allo Allo territory. Yes, but but played very very. It never quite tr transcended yeah. into farce. No, but it, it, it got close to came it. right up against yes, it. Yes, it did. So why did that work? This is the something I'm trying to still analyze. Why is it that you could have this silly laugh out loud humor and this really potent drama, and by the end of and and which you might think, how does that sit alongside each other? But in the end, all those phrases are just tools that Waititi is using to tell a really compelling story. Yes. And, it's a, and it's a story about the mother and the son. Yes. It's a story about the son being swallowed up by some propaganda and maybe beginning to see his way out of it. Yes. And so all these techniques that Waititi employs help that in a, in a very yeah. interesting way. And, and, and the boy Jojo, yeah. who, let's face it, I mean, we, have to, we have not mentioned Roman Griffin Davis here, yeah. have we? No. And we should. He's brilliant. Yeah, incredibly endearing and yeah. in a sort of an innocent, wide-eyed, but, yeah. uh, but clever little way. But, but he catches, I mean, you, you can see that, uh, we have to use the phrase, he goes on a journey. He? <laughs> he really does. But you, you, I mean, the, the arc that his character goes through, yeah, the yeah. progression, the, um, from the wide-eyed innocence of the wonder of this, 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 this myth he's been sold. Yeah, yeah. That he's bought so utterly into. Yeah. And, and let's face it, you know, people often talk about, you know, it's like, oh, 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 I would never, I, if I was there, I would have, you know. No, you wouldn't. You'd have been like him. Yes. You'd, you'd have been swallowed whole by the propaganda yeah. and by the myth-making machine, and you would have been yeah. putting on your Hitler Youth uniform just as he did. 
most people would. Most people got sucked into it because yeah. they were brainwashed. Yeah. And that's how he managed to got so brainwashed. He had this imaginary yeah. friend. Yeah. And so you see him as things progress. Um, you can see little by little, he has this this, this burgeoning awareness mm. Mm. coming out. And, and that development is what makes it work. I yeah, and, and as he does that, the oh, I hate to use this word, but the almost the, the likability that Waititi yeah. brings to his performance as Hitler yeah. is laid bare. Yes, and so you see little nasty little aspects of his behavior yes. that he sneaks into his performance. Yes, and so by the end of it, you you you, you know you might be unsettled when we talk about this film, but it's not. I think we can say it's not glorifying no at all Nazi no um, um, philosophy in any way. It, it highlights it, it has fun with it, yeah. it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, but it, it ends up taking you, to, taking you in, to a place where you think, oh no, that's, that was good. <laughs> there, there, there is one of the most graphic de depictions of the banal horror of war at the end, where you, where you see townspeople ah, hmm. trying to fight against tanks. Yes, yes. It, and you think what happens to some characters at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's horrific. Yes. So it doesn't doesn't flinch away from no, that. No, it doesn't. It, you you know exactly what's happening to these people. Yeah. And, yeah. So so it, it's it and yet it still maintains its humour somehow. Yeah, that's very. Uh, I also want, would want to mention his use of music. Yes. Um, he some very well chosen songs. Yeah. Um, the song that comes in at the end also brought a tear to my eye. Yes. Uh, yes. And um, as he did. In Thor Ragnarok, especially, he it's the best use of a Led Zeppelin song I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, so um, he's very adept at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I suppose mentioned the opening one. We'll save the. We'll, oh, yeah, we'll yeah. save the. Yeah. But the opening is, is "I want to hold your hand" in German. In German. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes give, yeah. give me a hand. Just want to throw this at you, Steve, because I was thinking about this. Why this? How this worked? Um, earlier in my um, journalism career, yeah. career, I worked on a New Zealand program called Fair Go, yes. which is a consumer mm. affairs program. And for the most part, it takes on pretty serious subjects. and But it has a bit of fun with um, spoof um, yeah. items from time to time. And I remember one of the producers I worked with called Raywan, Raywan Rash. And I remember her saying to me, if the audience sees that you're working very hard on the serious stuff, mm. like you're, you're taking it seriously yeah. and you're genuinely trying to yeah. do a good job, they will... Um, give you the license mm. to then have fun. Okay. Like it's like I'm working really hard, so I can I can almost like let my hair down and have a bit of fun. And it doesn't that doesn't spoil the integrity yeah. or the um, the mana or the yeah. reputation of the good work you're doing. So, so and, that, and and by doing so, you earn the right. You, you earn the right. And right. I was thinking about this film. And I thought it's almost the opposite in a way because YTT generally I think is known for this light touch the comic yes. touch and it the film starts off like that oh yes but by the end he's taking you into a really emotionally charged yeah. film that I, almost okay I see what you're going I'm, with almost, yes. I'm flipping it on its head I'm yes. saying he's, yes. he's, he's established his comic credentials very very well yeah. and he is now giving us a film I mean uh, some of the things I'll really remember from this film are not I laughed at the comedy but there are some other moments I'll really remember and they aren't comic they are not comic. No, they're hard. They're hard and and uh, heartfelt. And so so that, yeah, just an interesting thing about you. You do one thing well, and it gives you the license to do something else well. Yes. It's an interesting way to look at it, perhaps. No, or is that a bit of um, mumbling no, philosophy? No, no, I'm right behind you. I really like the point you've made there. Yeah. So I, I mean, other things to mention. People have suggested. Yes. 
the it's a bit trite and it's a bit cheap and it's a bit um like I said, the, the journey of self-discovery that Jojo goes on is a bit obvious. And and that would I think that would be a valid criticism mm. if that's all that were going on in the film. Mm. But I think like you say, if you if you do all the other work around it, yeah. then then that supports the film. Yeah. It, yeah, if if the if the serious stuff felt cheap, yeah. If it felt if it felt um, not given due attention and care, yes. Yeah. But I didn't feel that at all. No. I felt um, that, um, and a lot of this is centres around the Scarlett Johansson character, the mother. Yeah. I think in many ways, uh, she she has some comic moments, but she has some really really dramatic moments. She, she and the she Elsa and Jojo. Yeah. The the, so the comic and also the emotional yes. part of the they film. They are. They are. Everything else around it. Yeah. Rebel Wilson. Uh, what's his name? Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. All yeah. those guys. I mean, even, even Taika Waititi himself, himself as yes. Adolf. You, those guys. You could actually take those you, out, yes, and still have a those very, three very powerful film. Yeah, yeah. But I think what the, the brilliance of what Waititi's done is he's been, he's been able to merge those seamlessly, so it doesn't feel like so, okay. We're, we're putting the hard hitting stuff at the side now. Yeah, yeah. It's time for a comic <laughs> moment. Yes, they, they, they blended into each yeah. other so beautifully, and I think that was really shown in a wonderful scene um, where Scarlett Johansson's mother, um, who's uh, what's the first name of the mum again? It's um, Rosie. Rosie has to talk to her son about the fact that the dad's away. Yes, and this, and Jojo's missing his father. And she adopts it. I won't spoil it too much, but she adopt, adopts a way of talking to her son, which is, has a comic element to it, but is extremely um, uh, emotional. And yes. I thought that was a beautiful scene uh, where she takes on the role of both parents in a sort of yes. a way. And it was, I thought that was lovely. A it really was. strong moment. It was. I mean, I, I have seen a few reviews mm-hmm. that have come from, I mean, it. It's, it's, it's opened in New Zealand. Yes. It's been out here for a week or so. It's opened yesterday in the US. Okay. Two days ago, perhaps. And it won't be opening in the UK until New Year's Day. New Year's Day? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, the, on, the only real reviews we've seen from it so far are from the festivals where it played earlier in the year. Okay. Um, and a lot of critics have been actually quite sniffy about it, saying it's a bit shallow, it's a bit superficial, the jokes are cheap, um, lacks emotional heft. Um, it's not particularly impressive, and okay, oh, and well, that's not how I got it. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> that this must have been in like an early edit that they saw because the film that we saw. Well, look, um, maybe in Europe it might play a little differently than in outside Europe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and he is maybe you could say that his, that that what he's doing there isn't going to. You know, it could be an acquired taste, perhaps. Yeah. It's not it, because it it is inviting you to laugh at, at what the Nazis did and that some people will be unsettled by that but um, I think you should give it a chance I think you should stick with the film yeah. and by the time you've got to the end of it I think you've you've enjoyed or seen a really rich yes uh, uh, and, and cinematic experience that gives you a lot of different emotions to deal with and oh so, yes so Hey, I'm I'm recommending it hugely oh me too absolutely I, I, I think it's definitely one to see yeah and his, you'll appreciate this. Yes. Um, Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. obviously, as you said, was was playing an Austrian. Yes. And I did notice in a couple of moments that his Austrian accent yeah. reminded me very, very specifically 
of one particular Austrian actor. Really? Yes. <laughs> I do, wonder who that could now, be. Now, who, who do you imagine comes to mind in that moment? Simon? Well, there's only one Austrian actor that I can think of. Who, and, and who would that be? Well, that one, might be one Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And have you had any thoughts about Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger? I have had some thoughts do about it. Do share them. Do I share shall, them. Because we, I, we talked about this last time, right? Yes, we did. We, there, there was a, when we last got together, the sixth Terminator film was about to open. It's called Terminator Dark Fate. And you, Steve, you were telling me how you'd gone along to see that recast version of Terminator Judgment Day that yes. they put out a year or two Terminator back. 2 Judgment Day, yes. Yeah, Terminator 2, which was a pretty impressive sci-fi action film, as it I recall. Was, you well, think. well, what I said last week yeah. still remains true this week. The, the Back in the 80s, this was special effects were groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah. But what matters, and, and people have said this for years, I'm not taking credit for this insight, <laughs> but in science fiction films or action films, they they should be not about the science or about the action. They need to be about an idea. Yeah. There has to be something at the heart of it. Yes. And and I remember saying last time we talked about this that the the idea that Arnold Schwarzenegger could provide the emotional heft for a film just makes no sense. But but he did. It, the, the interaction that his robot had yes. with John Connor. Those those lovely moments when 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 John's trying to teach him how to sound more natural. And, and teaches him to say, say things like, um, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> Though, exactly, we remember these things because they were, they were genuinely human moments. Yeah. And that's what made it as effective as it was. Okay, so um, this film has, uh, by all accounts so far, completely okay. failed okay, at the box on, office. Okay, hang on a second. We segue too seamlessly there. Yeah. What's this film? This film is Terminator Dark Fate. Right. The sixth film... We, sh we have to say that it brings back the two central cast members from the film you've just been talking about, yeah. Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, right. and Arnold Schwarzenegger is back. It, it's got James Cameron involved in the story and the production. Well, he's not directing yeah, it, but I he's mean, heavily to, involved in it. To be fair, he did say, I'll be back. Yeah. And, and you know, the man yeah. clearly yeah. keeps yeah. his promises. He does. Yeah. Um, I think this film, I've actually seen all six of them now. Oh, dear. I know. Um, the third, fourth, and fifth, I think this is far better than those. Yeah. Far better. Well, I, I mean, that's not really a, a high bar to clear well, here. maybe not. But I, I, okay, I'll be, let me re recast that a little bit. I think it, it's a worthy follow-up to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Now, that's higher praise. Yeah, I think significantly so. Significantly um, higher praise. It's certainly well put together. Yeah. Um, some really nice visual touches, some quite interesting and obvious, but uh, not overdone homage to uh, um, scenes from the first two films. Okay, yeah. Uh, kind of casting back um the action sequences i guess we've seen them a million times but they are genuinely quite uh, gripping the action mm -hmm. sequence well choreographed and thought out the performances felt energetic and not by the numbers yeah uh and the story and i guess this is the key thing that's as you, coming back to your point and why we want to care about the story in this case uh, i've got to be careful what i say but let's just say that the sarah connor character mm -hmm comes back embittered by what has happened. Understandably. Understand, and and there's, an even, there's an even another layer of reasons why she's Ooh. even more embittered than she was when okay, we saw her last. Okay. Um, uh, so she's a cynical, jaded fighter. Uh, I mean, I, I can sympathise yeah, with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's had a few tough goals. She's had, she sure has. And so into the mix, they do repeat the idea of... Um, uh, you know, t a good Terminator, if you like, yeah. sort of, and a bad Terminator right, coming yeah. back to try and sort things out. Um, but there's a new character who becomes the focal point of sort of human resistance. So this, okay. is, the, this is the trope they've gone yeah. over many, many yeah, times. Yeah. Um, uh, and 
uh, there's a few there's a few differences with it. This is a character called Danny, right, played yes. by Natalia Reyes. Okay, yeah. Uh, and she, uh, the, the the new evil Terminator, is played by Gabrielle Luna. Right, yeah. Uh, and he does it very very well. The good. Terminator, although is she really a Terminator, is played by Mackenzie Davis, and she's called Grace. Okay, yeah. So that's the, the, the key elements. There's a certain familiarity about how all that. Yeah. But um, I don't want to give too much away, but obviously the, the film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the Termin- he is playing a Terminator, but the Terminator he is giving you yeah. is, is not the utterly robotic, um, monosyllabic, monotonal yeah. performance we've seen before. Oh, okay. There is a reason why yeah. this Terminator gives you a more nuanced performance. Oh, okay, fair enough. And I have to say, Schwarzenegger does it very, very well. Wow. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. No, no, this is, this is not expected, is <laughs> no, it? No, he, he dials it back. Yeah. He keeps it kind of, um, with a, speaks with a soft voice. Oh, okay. A considered voice. Um, he... And I would even say a degree of subtlety. Mm, okay, fair uh, enough. And he, I thought, he pretty much stole every scene he was in. Wow. Partly because the other characters are so sort of set in their, their you know, their anger or their yeah. revenge or whatever yeah, yeah. it is that they're driving them. Whereas he's just kind of, mm, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not human. I don't have to deal with all those sort of things. Right, right. And it was very interesting how that he they played that role. Right. Um, they just as... Um, uh, we, we've heard a lot about in recent times in this latest Martin Scorsese film, which hasn't opened to here yet, called The, the Irishman, right, in which yeah. they use this technology to de-age people. Yes. They use that here in one just one scene, but it's very, very important. It looks The technology looks great. Um, uh, so, look, it moves along fast. The action is gripping. Um, there are a few twists along the way. Uh, and, okay, we've seen the story before, but I, I was... Taken by the story, the performance of Natalia Reyes as Danny, yeah. she's pivotal. Right. It, she's she's into it. She's gutsy and and, and determined and um, vulnerable when she needs to be. I thought she ha- that role really has to work for because yeah. we, we're familiar with the other yes. roles. So she does a good job. And there's one other thing I must mention. Gone. Danny mm-hmm. is Mexican. Okay. And the story involves Danny crossing from Mexico. Under a wall. Under a wall, you say. To go to the United States Ooh. to rescue Americans and everyone else. Now, does That's that it. at all play with anything in the body I, politic at the moment? Well, here's the thing. It depends <laughs> how the, I mean, how, how on the nose is that? Or it's, not, it's not super on the nose, but I, I, I couldn't help but think... Hmm. Um, that's, I mean, of all, but, but that's the they way didn't to, have to choose that setting yeah. to write it that way. No, but that's the way to do it. Is 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 you just 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 yeah yeah. Happen. And it wasn't it wasn't the, yeah it wasn't bang. You weren't oh, being good. Oh, well done, head. well done. So I, I would I think you should see it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's you, you've actually I think convinced me to be fair. Well, it, yeah, I, I, it's it's a tired old story. It's been yeah. around for a long time. Well, twenty some yeah, years. Yeah, and and. Um, and I can see maybe people were too tired with it, and maybe that's why people have been put off going to see it. But if I think I think it's worth a look, I really do. I mean, it's maybe not the absolute top of the top sci-fi, but um, I think you'd be genuinely surprised by Schwarzenegger's performance. Uh, and I think there's enough going on with the other characters that I think, yeah, this is okay. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah. Maybe it's not A plus, but it's a B plus. Fair enough then. <laughs> right. Well, I think you might just have convinced me. Yeah, to be fair, I'd be surprised if you didn't get something out of it. Put it that way. Fair enough then. Uh, and okay, so um, that's Terminator: Dark Fate. 
Yes, absolutely. Whether it's the final Terminator film, we don't know. But no, it could be. No, I, I, this will never terminate. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sorry. So, uh, so. Steve McClabe, um, uh, let us move to matters coming up on yes. our agenda, shall we? Yes, that, that was the past. Yes. The future. Yes. The future. So we've got, I mean, we've, we've, we've got the, um, the summer coming up yeah. around these parts. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd never guess today, would you? To be fair, <laughs> but we've got the summer coming up, and so so we're starting to get into like the the New Year's Eve thing. So um so New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. um if you happen to find yourself in Riwaka, yes, then she had. Oh, okay, yes, yes, with Salmonella Salmonella Dub. Dub. Yeah. Now that's about as Kiwi a bill yeah. as, as you're going to. Both get. been around a long time, and yes. yes, absolutely. Now we we saw she had, if you remember, opening for ACDC a few years yeah. ago. And they were good. They were very, very good. Yeah, yeah, I remember them very well. Yeah, so so a little bit out, out of town for us, but and I see be... also you've got Stella there, who've been around for a little, not quite as long. Yes. Now that was I always get the mix up. Was that Bow Runger or Bick Runger? I think it was Bow Runger's band at oh, one okay. point. But anyway, okay, fair enough. All right, very good. Right. So who else, who else have we got? Now Patty Smith. Yes. Wow. Gosh, she's a veteran too. Um, yes. Going back. Oh golly. Yes. She well, could, uh, she, a, she might be seventy now. Must be sure. I mean, the, the the PR describes her as the godmother of punk. Yeah, that's it's true. probably not entirely unreasonable to yeah. be fair. But she's going to be in Christchurch on the twenty fifth of April, the town hall. Yeah, and then she was at Auckland's town hall on the twenty seventh of April. Okay, next year. Okay, so I would imagine that will probably be quite an impressive show. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, she's been going for like you say a very long time. And you know her. The song that I think many people would know her from is. Um, uh, is because the night. Oh yeah, uh, which it was written originally by Bruce. Oh, was it now? Yes, I know the song. Yeah, but I wouldn't have known that detail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who else have we got coming on? Um, again, New Year's Eve. Yeah. This is going to be um, in Fitianga. Yes. At the Corrigland Tavern, we've got Villainy. Who no, sound they, like a heavy metal band to me? Well, there's a coincidence. Oddly enough, we, we have also seen Villainy. I thought were they the yeah go they on. were the, they were on before she had before she had yes I was before, thinking, uh, yes we have seen. Uh, them. <laughs> Opening for ACDC, and yes, so those two yes. are basically playing on, on the same night. <laughs> Different um, location. Yes, but Villainy are going to be um, at um, Cora Glen Tavern in Fitianga. Yes. 29th, they're at Waihi Beach Hotel, uh-huh. and then January the 2nd, Butler's Reef in Okura. Okay. So they're getting around. Yep. Um, what else have we got? Oh, dear. This is the big heavy metal announcement. Um, Scorpions are coming back. Right. And instead of being with, Ace, with Def Leppard this time, yes. they've got White Snake. Okay. I know, I know. So, so I'm, now, I'm not the biggest heavy metal, um, most knowledgeable about this genre, yeah. but Whitesnake, that, that, that name's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Well, I mean, effectively, there's two different bands. Oh, okay. Right? What, it, what happened originally was, was after Deep Purple split up, uh, David Coverdale had been the replacement vocalist for, me, for Ian Gillen in Deep, in, in Deep Purple. Yeah. So when Deep Purple split up, um, David Coverdale formed... Um, with with a few other members of Deep Purple, he formed White Snake. Okay. He was kind of a blues rock band, right? Um, with a decent amount of blues in the rock. Yes, and they were really really good. Uh, and they started getting into like slightly more commercial, straight ahead sort of heavy metal rock stuff um, through the mid nineteen eighties until they finally basically sort of disintegrated. Yeah. The usual thing of you know members leave and members split. And I did see them when they were still that version of White Snake, and they were very good. They had Cozy Powell. On drums, okay, um, and they were very, very good. And then basically that band disintegrated, and then David Coverdale basically formed his own solo band, which oh. was an American hair metal. You know, you can imagine the kind of thing. Very, you know, lots of big riffs and big hair and all that kind of stuff, big sound. <laughs> uh, but he kept the White Snake name. 
Okay. And it was very straight ahead. All the blues influences had gone. Ah. And one of the big hits they had from the original lineup, toward the end of the original lineup, was a song called Here I Go Again, which he then re recorded with the new White Snake as, again, a great big lighters in the air, heavy metal, big ballad. And that was a massive, enormous hit. Okay. But they were not the same band. Right. They were suddenly this, this big hair band, nowhere near as good, in my opinion. You're right. Okay. But that's who. David Coverdale's White Snake became, and okay. they became very much an American LA glitz, you know, oh, okay. spandex and all the rest. Band. <laughs> Nowhere near as good. Whereas the Scorpions, I mean, they've been going for forty odd years, and they're still the same band. They were here a couple of years ago with yeah, Death Leopard, yeah, yeah, and they were actually not bad at all. I mean, you know, seventy-year-old blokes in spandex, seventy-year-old Germans in spandex <laughs> sounds horrendous, but they actually put a decent show. To be fair. Oh my god! Ru- uh, yeah, is it? Yeah, it'd be Rudolf Schenker, wouldn't it? Okay, it's still quite good. Mm. So they're they're going to be in um, after I've completely convinced everyone to go and see them. Yeah, twenty oh, seventh of February they're going to be at Spark Arena in Auckland, and then before that the West Island. Okay, very good. Very good. Jim Wigmore. Yes. Okay. Now now we're back on on solid ground. Here, yeah, aren't yeah, we? yeah, yeah. Good music. Local, local, yes. Top stuff. Jim Wigmore is going to be um, at Mount Monganui. 7th of January, and she's got Holly Smith and Tammy Nielsen. Okay, that's a pretty power-packed trio. That's a hell of a band, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, I'll be out of the country that day, so I won't be there. But oh, I might have to make an effort then. I, th- I think you might be representing Crave on that one. Yes. Yeah, that, that would be brilliant. That, so where was that against that, that's Mount Monganui? So- Soper Reserve in Mount Monganui. Okay. Um, that would be amazing, that one, Will. Cool. be a hell of a good show, that. Who else have we got? Now, this is one that doesn't really speak to me, but I know an awful lot of people who are very excited about this. Yeah. My Chemical Romance. doesn't speak to me either, but no. however, it's a na- yep, yep. name a, that's been around. It's a name that's been around, and they're reforming. Okay. And this is, this is for people who like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, this is huge news, apparently. So they're, re- okay. they're reforming. Okay. Uh, and they're going to be um, playing... Western Spring Stadium, the outer fields of Western Spring Stadium, apparently, to be oh, specific. Okay. Uh, Wednesday, March the 25th. Okay. And they've got a um, reasonably decent lineup behind them. Uh, Jimmy Eat World um, are not Kiwi, but Midnight Youth and Miss June. Okay. Both Kiwi names. Okay. So you've got a decent build there. That's, yeah, yeah. Again, not absolutely my cup of tea. But, well, hey, we've got to cater for all tastes across the summer. We do indeed. Yes. Um, now, this one is. I'm, this is a legacy one, if ever there were one. Oh. Kind of Simple Minds are coming back. Now, last time I saw them here, yes. they were with the B-52s. I remember you talking about that. And they were and they were better than the B-52s. Yes, they, I remember you saying. They, yeah. they, we, we didn't forget about them. No, no. I no, know, see what no. I did there? Thank yeah. you, I did. Right. That's but wonderful. The, but this time, the, <laughs> this time, now here's a name for you. They've got yeah. Orchestral Manoeuvres in the, the Dark. Dark. OMD. Oh, exactly, yes. 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 Okay. Um, who I was actually quite fond of in my youth. You know, songs like Enola Gay and all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. They, yeah, were, yeah. they were really quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, they're going to be doing a few shows here, actually, to be honest. We've got Horncastle Arena in Christchurch on the 9th of December. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, 11th of December, we've got the TSB Arena in Wellington. And rather disappointingly, I will be out of the country for this. Actually, no. Yeah, that's the day I leave. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, a Day on the Green, Villa Maria Winery. Oh, okay. Yep. Is going to be um, 12th of December. Okay. Yeah. Very good. You'll be on your own for that one, I'm afraid. Uh, I'll be like, I'd have liked to have come with you for that one. <laughs> but the one I do want to get to yes. is Iron Maiden. Oh, golly. Now, we missed them last time round. Yes. And, and I'm not... This, this is a nostalgia thing for me more than anything. This is the first rock concert I ever went to. Oh, really? Oh, Back and I wonder. 1983, I think it would have been, in Manchester. Wow. And where are we looking? They're going to be at uh, Spark Arena on May the 13th. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, May, May uh, next year, yes. Yeah, and whether you're a huge fan of the music or not, and I'm of the opinion that they basically had two phenomenal albums and they went downhill after that. Okay. But, and they're not playing a whole lot from those first two albums anymore either. But, <laughs> but what they do do yes. is put on a stage show that right. is renowned for being second to none. Okay. So that's going to be an amazing show to go to. All right. I heard from people who saw them here like two, two years ago, three years ago they were here. And I heard that they were fantastic. Okay, there. all right. Um, even even if you're not particularly enamoured of the music, I mean they're obviously very very proficient musicians. Yes. But their performance. Okay. They they really do put on a good show. Good. Um, so we will have to go um, to that if at all possible. Okay. Hey, so, um, so there's a lot coming up. There is, and just a couple of things I'll mention. Go on. Um, last time I was talking about trying to sell you um, to see this film that's coming out, and the date hadn't been released yet of the. Um, Springsteen film called Western Stars which is partly a concert film and yeah. partly a sort of a documentary and the posters are starting to go up at the they cinemas, are so it's 4th of December oh is that right 4th of December that's coming up and I suspect that's, it won't have a lot that's the after kiss yeah I suspect, that'll be an interesting um, uh, contrast, contrast. Yeah. I don't think it would have a long run so if you are interested yeah. I, I imagine you should get it get in there reasonably quick or need a terribly wide run unfortunately no I suspect Still, films like that tend to be somewhat does. niche yeah. don't they yeah. they do uh, and I just this film actually I was. It's only just open, and if we get a chance to see it, it might be worth having a yarn about it. I think cool. it's, it's been on for a day or two. But the follow-up to um, Stanley Kubrick's *The Shining* has just opened. Oh, *Doctor Sleep*. *Doctor Sleep*. Getting good reviews. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see how they handle that. And sometimes mm. these things work well, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. I've got to say, I didn't think the trailer didn't grab me a huge amount, but I'll probably go and see it just just to see, just to well, see. Well, well. And hope we, I don't fall asleep. We, we've not been overly enamoured of other recent Stephen King adaptations, have we? No, to no. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think what I might have to do is is, is go back and watch The Shining. Yeah, well, that would so be... So I can sort of fall, flow through into it. Because it was one of... I mean, it's certainly one of Jack Nicholson's most well-known roles. Oh, very much so. It's, it's a classic, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's all good. There's, all right, a, lot, there's a, lot, a lot coming up. An awful lot coming up. Okay, well, um, that's us. Thank you very much for listening and for watching. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us. You can email us. What's at, the address, Simon? It's podcast so, at yes. cravepodcast.com. That's the one. We're also all over social media. You can't move for Crave on social media. <laughs> we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're not on MySpace. We need to do something about that. Oh, okay. We're really, it's very remiss of us. But yeah, we're all over social media at Crave Podcast. Lovely. So, I'm Simon Mercer. I'm Steve McCabe. That's what's been entertaining us this week. Certainly is. Well, that was fun. Super.